Hello and welcome to the exam hall. This is the podcast where I sit down with a guest and we answer questions from what is known as the hardest exam in the world, the All Souls Fellowship exam. My name is Cherry and I am your host. I am an ex-education professional, soon to be uni student and connoisseur of toast. If you are a returning listener, welcome back. I'm glad you haven't been scared off. And if this is your first time listening to the podcast, then let me get you up to speed on what is going on here. All Souls College Oxford is maybe the most prestigious and exclusive academic institution in the world. Each applicant must sit four three-hour exams, two specialist papers and two general papers, which is where we will be drawing our questions from. If you are lucky enough to be awarded one of only two possible fellowships per year, you receive funding and resources for a seven-year period to fund any research project of your choice. To be eligible to apply, you must already hold a degree from Oxford or be currently studying there at postgraduate level. However, here at the exam hall, we have no eligibility criteria. So... Without further ado, please join me in welcoming our guest for today's episode. You may have seen her gracing the West End last summer in Greece, and she may be returning very, very soon. I don't know. I've just, I, I got a premonition. It is none other than the absolute wonder that is Lizzie Rose Essen Kelly. Hi. Wonder. Wow, that's mad. <laughs> I, Thank you. You are. Hi. <laughs> you're a you're a wonder. You're a revelation. Way. Hello, Lizzie. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing on this fine June day? I'm good. I'm warm. I'm feeling great. Well, Lizzie, I am very very glad you are here. Tell hey. me, what qualifications do you have to be sitting here today? And we use qualification in a very liberal sense. Those may be traditional academic qualifications or they could be qualifications gained a little bit more unconventionally from the school of life. Um, my qualification is that I'm black and my other one is that I've got a first in musical theatre at Guildford School of Acting. Woo! Yeah! Way way. So good for me, <laughs> I guess. Well done, you. Yay me! I did well. Did you did you work hard for both of those? Yeah, the first one of me being black, you know, that wasn't really me. That was my mother's choice. Um, the the degree was me, all me. I worked very hard. So yay. Well, Lizzie, I am very glad to have you here today. Thanks. Today's question comes from the general paper one of. September 2022 and it is should gender and slash or colorblind casting be the norm in the performing arts yes yes I think I think so I think it's a it's an interesting situation nowadays because obviously me being in musical theater um a lot of shows now I feel like um have problems with casting not even just colorblind just casting widely diversely because the um the pool of people uh is not diverse enough for the shows like the supply is not big enough for the demand mm-hmm. um but yes I think you should be doing that I we live in a very diverse world and that's just not I think obviously like 
gender as well is a is a newer thing I think in this industry I mean colorblind casting and racism has always been here but I think gender diversity is something that I feel like the industry is now kind of trying to understand along with um colorblind or just like casting more POC people in shows they're now trying to understand it would I say they're doing it successfully I don't know Mm. I think it's a it's it's a dependent on the casting team depending on the creative team I feel like sometimes the motivations as well of casting certain people are very contrived and not not truthful to why they want to do it they just want to look woke whatever woke means these days you yeah know what i mean they're not doing it to be like oh you guys are good so let's give you a platform to be representation for something that is lacking yeah they're doing it because they're like well we don't want to get cancelled by xyz on twitter so yeah. let's like <laughs> put all these people in and then just go oh, okay that's done mm. like i think i also feel like in terms of like gender and colorblind casting, I feel like there needs to be as well like a a talk on if you bring said person to your company, you need to have a wider understanding of what that person's gonna need. Because it's not the same as, you know, just a group a group of white people. Yeah. Like cis white people just like coming together. And just being like, oh, great, we're going to do a show. Mm. And there's no, like, ramifications of their presence being in a room. Yeah, it, it goes beyond just the casting. It yeah, goes 100%. beyond get them in the room and then make sure that they're given adequate resources and support so they are yeah. able to thrive yeah. in that room. I feel like they don't they don't understand that, like, for example, for me, because I'm black, lol, um, I'm, it's not the same. Like, I don't walk into the room the same as a white counterpart would uh, it will never be the same i need i there needs to be like racism talks there needs to be there needs to be some sort of well-being support where we know that we can go to mm. i don't know i just feel like and to be fair well-being for everybody because everyone's got mental health but um i just feel like the 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 notion of introducing colorblind and gender casting i feel like it just it stops at the surface level of a cast announcement. Yes. It doesn't go deeper into the performance of the person. Yeah. Because even so, I don't think many casting, I don't think many creative teams even think about when a non-white person or a non-cisgendered person would do a performance, like what those implications are and how the performance needs to be adapted I don't yeah. think they think about that at all I think they just go oh like you're talented and actually we need diversity I actually would question a lot of people to ask so why have you picked this performer I'd want to know yeah because not even that I don't think that certain people should be picked because I do st I do actually stand there and say that there are some I have seen some performances and I I know some performers that I do think it's absolutely wild that they're in the West End because if they were white, they would not be getting the chance to perform. 100%, they would not get the chance to perform. They wouldn't be good enough. However, there's not enough of us. And I don't like, because that's not even bad to say because for every for every white person, there are going, 
in terms of the big pool of them there are going to be a lot of non-talented people that's how it works <laughs> like not everybody that auditions is going to be talented the same yeah. way that even though the pool is smaller for obviously I can only specifically speak for non-white people in terms of black people mm-hmm. in terms of I only speak for myself but in understanding more of what it's like to be that yeah. kind of person in the industry um yeah for every there's not many of us but not many of us are great <laughs> like the, the pool is smaller but the, the pool's even smaller because not all of us are are talented enough you can't you we can't all be incredible yeah that makes no sense so so what you're saying is you think that some casting teams are feeling the pressure of social 100%. media and um may, uh, sort of social consciousness and they feel the pressure to kind of throw non-white members of cast in there without really uh, any care or, 100%. or thought behind it yeah and i don't think i don't think all of it is malicious but i do think i do think that from some shows that I know of and know of friends that have been in them, there's a massive question of why did you make the show this way? Yeah. With this amount of non, like non conforming to what musical theater used to be X, Y, Z years ago. Yeah. Why would you make a show that's trying to triumph being non-white, like non cisgendered, like being yourself? Why would you triumph that and then have no creative license within that show to to actually build a foundation Adapt of, of adapting it they i know of a show that they just they just put on the show as if they were all white but none of basically none of them were white or cisgendered and it's it's a bit like well then you're just using them for the color of their skin and for the right. fact that they are not that but is that not color and gender blind casting it which is that they're completely ignoring color and gender and they're saying everyone get on stage no matter who you are what like what you look like, what you identify as, you could say, well, that is being color and gender blind. We're we're choosing to ignore it. So do you, you know, is it not that color and gender blind casting should be the norm? Is it more conscious casting or? Yeah, I think it should be conscious. I think, I think I find, I personally find it like the word blind in this situation Mm -hmm very weird because when i see when i hear oh colorblind casting i genuinely think it just means that they're like anyone who is of any anything can play this yeah not that they're gonna now not use what the performer has as a performer yeah because but i do actually think that for most people they use like the fact that <laughs> the fact that they don't want to um think about what it would mean for this person to do this performance um and then just be like oh well they're they're xyz minority so that's good for us yeah do you know what i mean but i do think it has to be conscious i just don't i can't i can't sit there and believe that you would because then for me it just it is just then using someone yeah or for their what what they have and not because you think they're creatively they're good it's using them to your advantage of going oh you see what we can do we're 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 going with the times without yeah without trying to then lay foundation of making the industry better mm-hmm. it's just going yeah for now we're being told we have to do this you're not yeah. doing it because you believe in it and in obviously I've had talks with friends being like 
this is the stepping stone kind of thing like you yeah. need, we need to swing one way before we reach an equilibrium yeah um but I do just think it's dangerous because there does get a point where it becomes questionable to me and I just I don't think that performers should feel like it's more in my mind because you know for the kids that watch it like they're sitting there they're they're in a new generation this this generation now watching us because we're not in the same generation as them anymore for them they're having a time where they can see people that look like them which is not what my generation grew up on no which is amazing for them yeah however I do not I do not think for the detriment to the detriment of the performer's mental health that they should be put on stage and be used like a puppet mm. for that to be the, the, the end goal. I don't, mm. I, I, I personally think there's an, there's another way to do it for the end goal to be the same, yeah. but we just don't, we, we value the performer. I just feel like some performers are not being valued. Yes. And they're being used as a front man mm. for things instead of, sitting there and going oh they've really thought about what it means for this character to be this thing and so they've really thought like yeah like how would you like because you can tell when something's authentic and you can tell yeah. when it's fake yeah and I just think I've seen some things where I've gone you've not even thought about what it would be like for this person in this time mm. to be playing this character or what the gravity is you understand the gravity in terms of your ticket sales and what you can put on your posters but you've not you've mm. not understood the the storyline or how how they're going to feel when they have to step on stage yeah and potentially even after the show be held abuse because they don't look like xyz mm. or they're not what they they're supposed to be yeah well as i said in your intro uh last year you were playing marty in greece a character who traditionally is played by a white actress in the film adaptation it was a white actress it's there's nothing in the script that specifically says that she's white but we come to think of her as a white character because that is traditionally how she's been played you were playing marty um what was you so that was colorblind casting. Yeah, like... What was your experience with that? I feel like it was a good new experience for me to have. It was the first time I'd properly played a character that had nothing to do with race. I Because before I played Deanna Morales in Chorus Line at Curve. And she and was you supposed were stunning. To be, thank you. Thank you very much. But yeah, no, it... So that was I had to I'm I had to play like a Afro Puerto Rican character. Um but this one was the first time that I played someone who really is just a pretty girl at school, like the, the quoted to be the most beautiful girl at school, which I thought, why? Thank you. Um, but I think it's the first time for Greece that we did it. Obviously, it's still on at the Dominion this year um, with some of the same people that were there last year. Um, but last year when I was in it was the first time it's come back in x many years and it's the first time that all three out of the four pink ladies were non-white so we had like Mary Tyler Moore who's mixed race and Jocasta Armgill who's also mixed race and Mary played Jan and Jocasta played um Rizzo and obviously I play Marty um and I think it was for me it was just a really weird experience not because not because like I didn't feel like I could put my blackness into it. If anyone saw the show and if any of in the people who did the show with me knew I put all my blackness into that role, it, I was very much me. But I just think that 
with certain shows, it's just harder. Like it was a more difficult for me because of the time period we were in. It's like 1950, like 1960. Um, obviously civil rights movement is happening. And obviously the stories made for all white people, basically when they wrote it, they never thought about it being performed by any other people. If anything, yeah. like um, there's racist comments about Italians in the in the show. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Um, but Nikolai Foster's like the greatest man ever. <laughs> Love him to bits. Um, and he he really is a champion of just if you're good, I want to employ you and I want to work with you. Um, so it was, and me and him had many talks about like, the fact that like you know some of us are black and it's going to be weird um and he was really open to listening to me as he always is and like we discussed about those kind of things and how that will play into the show um but obviously people are gonna people are gonna say what they're gonna say and we had um tweets being like oh black people should it be in this show like just oh just silly silly received quite a bit of press attention and there was quite a bit of controversy over the ghoul of Nikolai Foster <laughs> to dare employ black people it was so silly I just remember thinking you people have too much time on your hands why is this so deep to you it's never that peak what, what was your experience of getting online hate although it wasn't sort of it they weren't uh saying by name Lizzie Rose Essing Kelly why are you black that would have been crazy that would have been absolutely insanity but but it was it was directed generally at the black members of the cast and generally at the queer members of the cast yeah Uh, what all the black people yeah oh yeah because they said same sex dancing didn't they 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 didn't Uh, like the the same sex dancing in the show um what what was your experience of sort of being on the receiving end of hate? Do you, did you feel like it was sort of water off a duck's back or did you feel affected by it a bit more? Um, it just really opened my eyes to the fact that like, oh, people are crazy. Like actually people are mad. And like, I felt it was just silly. like the thing it was as well, like that whole situation of getting that hate was quote unquote hate was just silly. Like, it came it came from people who felt like they they owned that show and they felt like they had some ownership of it because it has been a film it's been a musical they saw in the dominion i think it was at the dominion x many years ago like they felt like they they had ownership over these characters because they're yeah. stock boxed characters of like marty's the pretty one jan's the funny one frenchie's the kooky one rizzo's the lead like the leader of the group she's the sassy one danny's the good looking one kaniki's the bad boy dude he's the cute do you know what i mean like they all everyone has like um a thing a thing about them that every friendship group will turn around and go oh i'm the jan of the group oh i'm the rizzo i'm the da 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 so then when all these they were just old not old but 50 year old white women would come and see the show they'd just be like oh not my grace and they'd type whatever they wanted to type because mm. they've read an article that was printed apparently that was never supposed to be printed or some of the things were just not um some people had said certain things that like other people would go we never said that in the interview yeah. um and they turned around and didn't like it it's just silly it was just it just made me sit there and go oh like as much as so for example as much as the industry thinks that things are moving the world hasn't changed 
the world is still exactly the same. The racism is just very different. I, I do believe that. I don't think racism has changed. Um, I just think people have adapted to change the way they now are racist. And I think that will continue to happen until people open their eyes and go, oh, it's very much still prevalent. Yeah. I, I do feel like the industry that I am in, obviously in musical theatre, I do feel like there is a rhetoric of, not me hitting the mic, <laughs> of a rhetoric of thinking that things have changed. Um, and because, and I think that's from even certain performers in the industry who are non, who are white, who see a lot of, you know, quote unquote leads or quote unquote diverse. I'd say quote unquote, because even though Greece had eight black people uh, out of a cast of 28, that's, that's not diverse. That's just eight black people. We had no Asian people. We had no Latino people. We had no disabled people. Um, do you know what I mean? So like it's, it, it like it's not I'd I'd say that we had eight black people I wouldn't say we were diverse right um but for example some people would sit there and see that and be like oh well you know you know how it's changing nowadays you know you there's many just um, non-white people just in jobs now and it's like it it makes them think that things that that racism is still not here like I don't go into casting rooms and experience racism still yeah like it's very much apparent and even I've had friends who've told me that they've they haven't been allowed to audition for a role that's that has nothing to do with race and they're non-white but they don't look ethnic enough so they've just not been Uh, taken further on in the process because they've decided they want a character to look on the right side of the line 100 they want a character to look a specific ethnicity which then i go well this is also again contrived because how is this not just this isn't helping a situation if you sit there and go this character needs to be this race when there's no race attached to the character you're not helping a situation you're still hindering it because what has made you believe that this character needs to be this race yeah that that's the other thing I think as well like there's a lot of casting teams that are all white making making opinions (laughs) and making decisions on characters not being white Mm. and or um making shows that are really like dependent on characters not being white yes and my question to them is who are your teams you're going to that are non-white to to make these actors feel validated it in can't this job. just be on stage do you know what i mean what? like that diversity and in not color blind casting quote unquote whatever that is whatever that means nowadays conscious casting it should be on the panel like diversity in a show does not stop with the actors on stage it carries on to the crew in the back yes like where's where's the wiggies that are non-white to know about black hair like to know to know about different hair types that like to know about what wigs certain people should probably be wearing if they're a black person. Yeah. Like to understand hair maintenance for black people. Like specifically for me, like I had to wear braids under my wig for grease because because of my hair, I, I'm not doing hair wig prep every week. Like my hair will fall out. It, it, it's, it won't work. Mm. Um, it may work for other white people, but that's not me and that's absolutely fine. Yeah. But you need people on your team that understand different kinds of people because in my opinion if you're going to this is what I think this is what the problem is if you're going to employ non-white people non-cisgendered people mm. where is your creative teams 
to reflect that so you can then help us and we can all work on this together because yeah. our, our job is not to educate you I was never put on this earth to educate you and it was never in my contract that I was going to educate you but now here I am educating you about how to work with me mm. and there's a, in my mind there's a difference between there's a difference between talking about it and educating if you come up to me and ask so what's the best thing for you what would you what do you need what what how can I help you that's different but if I'm now having to on my deathbed now <laughs> chat to you because you've not listened and you've just brought me here and I'm like you need to do this I'm losing hair that's silly like you should have the education to understand that people are different mm. and I just don't I don't think they're there yet do you feel the pressure as a black woman in the industry to sort of be be a figurehead and you know like like how do you feel about that pressure to be honest I think it's an honor like I want to be that representation and I I only feel that strongly because I just know there's not many I'm black which it is what it is but there's not many people I haven't come across that is from my background like I'm from South London and like yeah I from my secondary school cherry knows about my secondary school from my secondary school you don't see man coming not a private school yeah not a grammar school not an art specialist school you, know you I mean? came from south london it's like and it's i don't see or know of many people that went to a school like mine experienced like the world i live in yeah. is nothing to do with musical theater like the only reason i got into it is because my mom took me to stagecoach because she was a single parent and was like uh, this kid has too much energy we need to do <laughs> do something about that child like but other than that otherwise like i wouldn't be in musical theater yeah there was no door for me to go to for that ever to happen so i just feel like because of that and then because i'm black as well like there's just a i just feel like there's a certain world that I live in that is so the world that I'm now in is so closed off to the people that are like me that I want to be that representation to Mm. show that there is a door and a way to get there and there is someone who is there well your careers advisor said to you Christ oh my god I forgot about this story basically my career advisor Christ almighty she basically said to me that I was not going to be in musical theatre unless I was going to be in The Lion King because they don't like black people. And do you know what? She weren't wrong at the time. At the time, she weren't wrong. But she only said it to me because she was friends with my mum because my mum worked like close with the school in terms of she was like a social worker. So she was like, I know your mum and I just know that like, you're a smart girl. You should be doing like science and you're getting A's and that. And I was just remember thinking like, yeah, but I don't want to do that. But yeah, she said, you won't get, you won't do musical theatre, like you won't get in. Like, you won't do that because they don't like black people and, like, mm. people like us. She specifically was, like, people like us. And I don't think she even meant black people. She meant people from my school, like, my social economic background yeah. and the fact that I'm black and from this school that is, like, the worst school in the borough will not be doing will not be doing a white people show. Like, not even white people show, just being a white people industry like, like that. Like, what a show like Greece which yeah, 100%, 100%. traditionally has been played by all white cast yeah 100 percent. like that that just was never a mentality that could have ever been and even like I sit there now and I think wow like when I look back at when I was younger like I always wanted to do this when I was like from like 14 13 I was like I want to do musical theater 
But like, I look back, that's like 10 years ago. And I go, oh my God, like where I am now is so wild to me because it was only a dream because there was no one there that looked like me. Yeah. So I was like, in my head, I was like, I have to just really, really want to do this and actually work hard because up until about 16, 17, yeah, about 17, I didn't see someone who looked like me on stage. And the only person that I remember going, oh my God, they're like me was Cynthia Revo. And I remember I wrote about her in my personal statement to GSA being like, oh, like, you know, like I, she's my inspiration because she was a Nigerian black woman from Stockwell, which is literally down the road. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's South London. And I was like, that's me. And she's short. So I was like, yeah, <laughs> she's like five two. I was like, yeah, that's me. But like, there was no one that I knew of that was so, in my mind that I was like, even like Cynthia Erivo, I don't, we didn't, I don't think we came from the same kind of background. No. Do you know what I mean? Like, so for me, I was like, there's literally nobody. And so that's what, I don't know. I just, I think, I just think that's why I, I do sit there and go, yeah, this is important for me to be. Yeah. Because I, I know if I saw someone like me when I was younger, mm. my, my whole perspective on the world would have changed. Like I would have, I would have done so many things differently. I wouldn't have felt like I had to fight so much yeah. all the time and be like, it's literally just me. I would have been like, well, there's that person. And I would have clung on to that and really, really believed in myself. Yeah. Except I wasn't, not that I didn't believe in myself. I had to, because in my head I thought nobody else will. <laughs> there is no other person. So, You're sort of talking about um, seeing yourself on stage. Um and when, did you have any sort of like positive experiences when when in Greece uh, at stage door or I don't want us to be too down in the dumps about um, oh, being black in the industry. Being black in the industry. No, has, it's what, actually nice. <laughs> it's actually, there's actually good things. They, they, I'm not going to lie. What, good have things. you had like any positive experiences? Oh yeah, 100%. As sort of either on stage door or, on, or through social media. Of, yeah. Um, in the same way you never had, you felt like you could never see yourself and anyone have you had the sort of reverse experience of people seeing themselves in you oh yeah 100% I when I was in Greece I got like dms all the time really? being like oh like just seeing you as a black woman on stage has just filled me with so much joy like it makes me feel like I can do it too I used to cry I used to just be like that's all I want like I don't want to be famous like um, the friends who know me know that I don't want to be bait in this industry I, that's scary to me <laughs> I like being private it was just really lovely that I could do that mm. like as I said I don't want to be famous like I don't I don't I don't find any joy in people knowing me the joy I find is that the people who look like me can relate to me and feel like they're not alone because mm. I like not in a peak way because everyone's felt alone in their life one time but like I just know that when I was I love saying starting out I'm such a child I'm literally 23 like I'm not even like grown I've not done much but saying starting out sounds mad but you've when been I was, on the west end yeah but like but like I only graduated like two years ago from school but yeah no so I just I don't know yeah I just I find it so I found it so important that I could do that for people especially my character was like quote-unquote the most beautiful girl in school mm. and I think actually doing being that character really like it actually did give me some kind of healing because you know growing up as a, if you could see Cherry's face right now <laughs> she, I can't do it obviously this is a podcast but she was giving it oh, that was the face but like growing up as a black woman like I feel like I was thinking about this the other week like 
the world hasn't changed that much but I think people forget like when we were growing up being black was not pretty at all like no one wanted to be black and like obviously now most people want to be black all the time because black fishing is funny but like it wasn't a beauty standard and it still isn't in my opinion a beauty standard it's something that some white people want to emulate so they can make themselves more whatever but um fetishization yeah fetishization but um yeah I just it was really healing because I just like I remember being younger and just being like as much as I was really proud to be black like I wanted to be lighter skinned because that's what you want when you're a young black girl growing up in even in London when it's really multicultural like it's still it's still hard obviously um and there's a lot of like in a hate because of what the world and the media is telling you about yourself and you know those are really impressionable years when you're a teenager to develop mental patterns about how you should feel about yourself so you know to be a black woman and of the pink ladies I was the only like fully quote-unquote fully black one because mm. the other two were mixed race to be the darkest pink lady quote-unquote because I'm still light but to be quote-unquote the darkest pink lady and then to be seen as the prettiest one at school like that filled me with a lot of like pride because like that's not I would have never put myself as that I would have never put myself as that role and I was really I was really grateful and really like shocked that Nikolai would think that I could carry a a character with with that kind of mark of her and believe that yeah of course that is you that's it was really good and so like to be that and to be the prettiest girl in school and to be the black girl of the group was like great and it it was just lovely that other black women and little black girls could see that and be like oh my god everyone's obsessed with her so yeah I was really I was really honored actually and it made you know Greece was difficult in terms of it's just a tiring show to be doing you're running around like a maniac it's fun it's, but it's ti- tiring. it was a tiring show to watch <laughs> I was sat there in the stalls being like fuck me Jesus yeah, Christ yeah there's a like, lot of energy on stage lots it's of energy lot. big lights big, big sound lights, big sound um it's great fun but it literally I remember being like whoa my I've got my job cut out for me this is no easy feat this is a meme they made they made you work yeah we were they made you work for that pay I did I did miss it because I do miss it because it was actually a lot of fun and I loved the cast but um yeah it was long in terms of it was just so (laughs) I remember being tired thinking wow I really have ramalamalamad on that stage and I am (laughs) dead I am finished but no I was really I was really grateful to be a part of it and to like have that as something i could do are you creasing because i said ramalamalamad on the i'm stage. sorry that really that's really tickled me ramalamalamad yeah no it was really me it was really meaningful and it was it's a very special time in my life that i'll always remember and be like wow i did that hell yeah you did Whoa. hell yeah you did you were saying a little bit earlier on in the conversation that there just aren't enough uh poc performers yeah, there's just not enough not of us. non-white performers, um, and non-cisgendered ones, and non Yes, of course. I can only obviously speak about the the, the non-white because I, I am actually cisgendered, and, mm. and but I am not white. Let's let's be honest. There's a lack of diversity in every of respect. diversity um, from that stereotypical musical theatre performer, middle to upper class white. You oh, know, yeah. um, I was about to say straight. There are a lot of queers in theatre. I can't. Yeah, most of them, are, most of them are white gay men. Yeah, they're, they're like um, cis, non cisgender yeah, performers. 100%, 100%. There, there is a deficit of them. 
you've, we've sort of touched on it already with uh, you being discouraged uh, mm. from a musical theatre uh, career. Mm. Why is this happening and what do you think is the solution? Lol, this was my actual, um, what's the word? Not diploma, what's the word that you do? The dissertation, this was my whole dissertation of for at the end of drama school three I didn't years. know that yeah my so my well I'll talk a little bit about it because it explains but my my question was can basically saying can musical theater schools not be racist when the roots of like the arts are riddled with racism mm. and like the foundings the foundation of it is actually like is built on racism yeah and I just think that the reason that there are so many minority groups like even disabled people or um non-white people non-cisgender people all these people are not feeling like they can go to get into the industry full stop is because they don't want to go to drama school because where has there ever been any representation for them to think that they can go to those schools also it's expensive the only reason I went to GSA was because it was with a university. So I, in my mind, I never paid for it. Yeah. I'll be paying for it when I'm earning student money. Loan. Yeah. hundred percent student loan. Whereas like the, some of these big drama schools, like they're like 15,000 a year to go yeah. to. And like, you're just, the, unless you have money, you're not going to be able to be there. Well, even just the first step auditioning. Yeah. What, auditions, auditions can cost anywhere from, 30 to 40 up to 70 pounds just to, just for that initial audition oh yeah especially if for example like if if a place doesn't if an if a place doesn't audition near you because obviously I traveling was lucky, you have to pay for travel i was lucky that most of the places that i auditioned for were either in london or gsa because it's in guildford it's literally like 10 pound train and like it wasn't even ten pound when I did it because it was like seven pound. But if you wanted to audition for, say, uh, Royal Welsh School of Music and oh, Drama, peak, peak, um, peak. if you wanted to audition for Lipper up in Liverpool, oh yeah, trains uh, are expensive. Or if I'm in the back out of nowhere, for example, yeah. and then I have to try and get to these places because they don't. You're not they already don't, in London. London. Yeah, that's hard. And I just think as well, like, like I remember before I went into GSA, like there was this rhetoric of like they only ever allow one black person, one black woman into the school. Yeah. Because we only knew of one black girl that was in the year of the first year at the time. And I remember being like to my mom, it's going to be me or some other girl because I'm not, if I don't get in, it, like they only allow one. Yeah. Because there's not, I didn't see any. Like these people aren't going to want to go to drama school because they don't think it's for them. Like I didn't think that drama school, I only went to drama school because I knew that if I wanted to do this as a career, I had to go there. You didn't, I yeah. couldn't, there was no, in my mind, I was like, there's no other choice. I don't have any other resources well, to get there. Yeah. You don't, you don't have any contacts. You didn't go to a performing arts high school, school or yeah. anything like so, that. Cause I just did a level. So in my head, I was like, I have to, I have to try, I have to train if I wanted to, find an easier access route or be taken seriously mm. um and I just don't yeah I I feel like it's just harder for you to want to be there because if you don't see anybody that's like you there you're not you're just going to be like I don't want to go there I don't want to I don't want to be the minority quota I don't want to have to be the the I don't want to have to get have issues with people because they don't know how to speak to me because I'm not like them because all they've these people are from the back outs of nowhere and they've only ever been with people that look exactly like them from their yeah. backgrounds with their issues and their problems um because again we're not here to educate anybody um and again and 
Cherry knows about my time at drama school where it was an absolute hellhole. Um, it was absolutely insane and embarrassing uh, for the school, not for me. <laughs> the embarrassing part, the insane part was for me. Your experience in drama school. Yes. It was a little... It was absolutely rotten. Some decisions were made. Decisions were made and, that were absolutely psychotic. And I'm not sure if logic was involved in those choices. I'm not yeah. sure if common sense or human decency was no. really uh, involved in some of those. And do you know what as well? I think the problem is I'm actually away from it now. So it doesn't, it's not as peak as it used yeah. to be when I talk about it. Um, obviously we won't go into detail because we'll actually be here for the rest of our lives. But um, I feel like the same way that there's a problem with the industry, there are people in the industry um, and people at drama school that need to leave. They still think in an old way. They are not with the times. And even if they're pretending to be with the times, it's for not good reasons. And they're still at the core very much have isms and schisms. Yeah. Um, and so they they come out and they and they do influence how they speak to people, how they treat people, um, and what value they put on people. Yeah. Um and at drama school, yeah, like I mean, my my head of the course literally told me that I wasn't that talented and I was going to get jobs because I'm black. Do you know what I mean? And like in my second year, and I remember sitting there thinking, wow, crazy, crazy, crazy. You would say that to a so student. Nice, so nice. So Thank nice. You. So lovely. But like, I mean, it doesn't matter now because I'm literally doing fine. But yeah, it's just things like that. Or just just that the, there are teachers still there at that school that I know of that I think I can't believe you still have a job because the complaints we put in, you shouldn't be there. I think this is the core of the issue that colorblind and genderblind casting while they are important if that's not being reflected in the teams in the teams in the training in the decision makers then it's all sort of surface level oh yeah well even like if if you use the example of my year had eight non-white people ask me how many teachers were non-white how many teachers were non-white one and he wasn't full-time he was a dance teacher the only time they got a full-time teacher was my singing teacher, who's black, and she was only employed as a singing teacher. She's now the head of EDI, diversity and inclusion, basically. Thank you. There was I was taught by all white teachers, and it, it it astounded me that I feel like when you are, when you don't, and this is for everyone who doesn't experience certain things that other people will, because of what they look like, because of their ability, and because of ju- just... even they're just their gender but like if you don't experience something you can't fathom what other someone else might need sometimes and so I just think there's a lot of that in the industry where they just wouldn't fathom that certain teams and groups of people need to change for the actors to feel accommodated because you know GSA can post the my year group as being very diverse but then you question them about who you who's teaching these kids and they'll they'll have to show the faculty and they'll be like that's a bunch of white people Mm. do you know what I mean like yeah it and then you'd sit there and question well how are you how are you bringing out the diversity of these kids is my question how are you how are you enabling them to feel comfortable to be their diverse self if they only ever see you and they have racist issues from your your teams and then who are they going to other white people to tell them white people yeah it doesn't make any sense where's the 
it feels like that kind of self-congratulating. We have a non-white people 100%. in our year. How 100%. Diverse. Well, 100%. It, 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 it's then just them patting themselves on the back. Like, oh, we've done a good job. We don't surface look racist. Surface level. A surface level. And I feel like that that runs through the whole core of the industry at the moment where it a lot of it is surface level. Don't get me wrong. Like, I love the industry. It's not like I don't want to be a part of it. But the reason I want to be a part of it is to change it. I think it's extremely flawed. Extremely flawed. How would you... Let's say Lizzie Rose Essen Kelly is now made queen of the theatre industry. Why? God bless the industry. What changes do you make? So many. We need to we need to take away shows that have been here for ten years. There are some sh- mm, there are some shows that have been there for years, and people who know the industry will know exactly what show I'm talking about or what shows I'm talking about. Need to go because. They were made at a time where racism was funny to poke fun of. And now if in my my personal opinion, if you're not going to if you're not gonna make the show in twenty twenty three, you do not make you do not keep it in the in the theatres in twenty twenty three. Because that what are you putting out yeah. to young performers and to young people to see and go, Oh, is that all that they think of me as a performer? I'm this funny dancing monkey kind of thing. You, the, the, there needs to be a change in those shows there needs to be a change in the people who are casting shows there are some people who've been casting shows for years and there's a lot of white men who are casting things why god why i have no damn clue but where is the diversity in panels why am i walking into shows into auditions for shows and the whole panel is white why am i do why am i doing that in 2023 and and why is no one uncomfortable uh, that's what I'm confused about because surely, and this is where I have to not have to give people benefit of the doubt, but I have to really remember the world I live in because the world I live in is not what's mm. in my head that I think should be right. How do white people sit there wanting to cast a diverse show and their whole panel is white? Are you not embarrassed when you're talking about you want diversity and inclusion, but there's a whole panel of white men sitting there judging me sing as a black woman? as a black queer woman no it's crazy to me like you need to you need to start checking your own privileges it's such an alienate that must be such an alienating experience yeah well, sometimes. like you're walking into a room and yeah sometimes it's been hard like sometimes it's been like i don't even want to be in this room like and some i have had experiences in shows where i'm up for a role that doesn't specifically say that it's black but like they're only seeing black people as in all the black women like so it, that's all, not really colorblind casting then is it no it's it's all the all the people that are being seen are black women or like mixed race women or just like of a dash of black of some ilk yeah and we'll all be sitting there and i'll just think we're all in for the same part and it just feels like a cattle call of just like we need you to look like this and be this ilk and then i come into the room and it's just a panel of white men and it just feels like they're going dance monkey dance it's horrible because even when you have to sit there and think like sometimes i sit there and i go this character doesn't have to be black so why have you made her black like she there's nothing in the script that says she's black you've decided she's black and she's actually the most minute unliked character but then all these other characters are white you people aren't you people are so far removed and you think by adding some things like this you're helping you're not you're actually not helping you're hindering things yeah you're hindering us. We've talked in the past how there's a trend where often either 
unlikable characters or characters who Go through get in the way yeah. will be um, played by uh, non-white performers and then characters who uh go through trauma and struggles and generally are sad and uh sort of tragic characters again will often be played by black women or um women women of color yeah and sometimes they are played by white women but also there is a trend where it's like in shows that have been around for a while yeah they will give the black woman the tragic role well, you're not allowed yeah. to be happy. And it's just like, what? Every day pulling my pain. Every day pulling my pain. That's crazy. Also, there's a massive trend in the industry where if you if there are two leads in a show, one of them has to be white and the other one has to be non-white. So the other so the, the industry don't doesn't cancel this this show. Um, but they can never both be non-white because that's too much. Do you know the cover will be non-white, for example, but and then maybe one of the leads is non-white, but then the other lead lead will be white. Like that's a trend, yeah. Where it's just like, why, why, what, what's the need? What's mm. the reason? Like that's a massive thing that like has happened. Like yeah. that I just think is, it's silly and it doesn't make sense. And it's just like, well, why can't whoever's good for the job is good for the job? But then I have to question you, why, why are you so strict on it? I feel like this comes down to like what when we talk about gender blind and color blind what do we actually mean because it's yeah. not tokenism it, or it shouldn't be tokenism it shouldn't be but at the moment it definitely is tokenism yes because it just and I think the reason it is tokenism partially I get and I don't I, I don't want to make it sound like I'm allowing it to happen because I'm not but there isn't enough of us people will be like oh there's not enough diversity in this show yeah because all the good people are already taken because they're already either in a show got a show or or maybe they're they're doing they're in between job like it, it, it everyone's starts, already booked it starts with edu- the education doesn't it and it starts yeah. with you don't have getting- enough people in school in the drama schools full stop like if my year group is the is is the norm now mm. you only have eight non non-white yeah. people here's um here's a statistic for you oh my god love that from you so this is from the andrew lloyd weber foundation yes in 2016 they did a report that labeled the british theater industry as hideously white and since then they've done follow-up reports mm. and in 2021 they said this Key research findings suggest that since 2016, drama schools have seen the diversity of their student intake has slowly increased from 14% in 2016 to 21.5% in the 2019-2020 academic year. However, diversity in some student cohorts is still in single percentage figures. Um, The report sort of touches on drama schools uh, partnering with state schools and regional theatres and community organisations and doing fee waivers for auditions and there was a direct correlation between schools that use regional auditions fees which were waived for the most disadvantaged groups and those are the highest increase of diversity in their student intake so surprise surprise when you actively seek out and um, try to make your school accessible more people come to it so weird however uh, it says however while celebrating this progress the report makes it clear that there is still a long way to go 
Number one, in five years, the diversity of the student population has only improved by 7.5 percentage points and diversity in some student cohorts remains in single percentage figures. The target, point two, the target of 50% of places to be funded by scholarships and bursaries has been achieved by three of the 15 drama schools surveyed. I can imagine I know what those three drama schools are. Uh, there remains a low representation of people of colour in academic management positions across UK drama schools. Mm. Surprise, surprise. Not surprised. Um, and what I think is really key in this report, it was from 2021, and it was looking at, uh, I believe that it was written and researched during 2020, mm. looking at the 2019-2020 cohort. But something it points out mm is that the COVID-19 pandemic represents the biggest threat to ongoing diversity efforts, including the sustainability of outreach and inclusion programs due to the shutdown or diversion of money from donor organisations. And all 15 drama schools that were surveyed said that funding aimed at improving inclusion had suffered as a direct result of COVID-19. So what basically, there has been an increase in diversity since this uh and this 2016 andrew mm. lloyd webber foundation report however there is still a lot that needs to change so much and it's taken a large hit since covid and i'm yeah. I'm, I'm interested to see what what happens next what happens next because of that yeah i'm interested as well because i think that there's yeah the, there was already so much that needed to happen anyway like i feel like my years in terms of the third year when I came into first year of drama school and then my year group that left um, just as COVID was kind of easing up with the years where it was like, oh, we're starting to understand that non-white people should be in the industry and we should be better at that. Um, but I do still feel like they just, there's so much they need to learn and I just think it's dangerous for them to think that things are better than they were. They're not better, they're just different. That's my thing always. Nothing in terms of racism or any kind of ism and schism, nothing's better. It's just different. Yeah. The times we live in are so different. And even with the whole thing of Black Lives Matter, like people were confused that racism, people are racist. I thought, guys, let's keep it real. Are you joking? Let's be (laughs) honest here. Why are you confused? Why are you shocked? But it's because people, I think as well in the industry, I think there's a massive rhetoric of being in the musical theatre industry that we're so loving and we're all so supportive. No, it's a lie. You may be supportive in your own mind, but I would question the non-white people and the cisgendered people to really question how accommodating are you to your counterparts that are not like you? yeah really ask yourself that question how when 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 a casting team or a creative team have said something or when it's when a non-white person non-cisgender person felt alienated how how much have you really been on their side or how much have you understood them or made them feel like they weren't alone and could be understood it goes back to that structural change there needs to be fundamental change in how the industry operates it operates and the decision makers and the gatekeepers there needs to be a big shake-up in the way the industry is making its decisions and the way it is structured but I just I don't I think people 
I think what a lot of decision makers want is to be like, I'm facilitating change. I'm going to cast a black person. I'm going to cast a trans person. I'm going to cast a woman. Aren't I amazing? Um, And you sit there and go, what are you actually doing? But what really would be valuable is to go, okay, I've had my time in the industry. Let me step back or let me let me make actual change where I am getting people from underrepresented backgrounds, Mm. lower um, economic, socioeconomic backgrounds, um, non-white backgrounds, uh, you you know, from non-cisgendered backgrounds. People from the disabled community. People from the disabled community. Let me actually get them in leadership roles. I feel like as well, people are afraid of, they're af- they're afraid of people taking over. I, oh I, yeah. They, they it's really funny to me when people want change, but I sit there and go, the people that need to be the change are the people that are at the top. You man need to leave. You can stand there and say you want change, but actually you man need to go. Um, well, the, but the, they don't want to. The fear so. is, isn't it? If we let them get too much power, if we let when I say them, I think it's generally people who we are defining as other and yeah, not yeah, yeah. us. If we let them in where's where's the space for me gonna be yeah it's it's all about self-preservation i just think it's very interesting because it's just it's just like you want change but you don't you don't you actually don't want to be the source of change you just want to be able to put a stamp and say you are a part of it even though what you're changing isn't changing you're just making racism a bit different yeah you're redefining you're redefining the racial roles specifically obviously me talking about racism but you're redefining the racial roles in theater you're not actually breaking barriers or boundaries you're not doing anything you're not doing anything revolutionary by making this one character non-white and then or or having this cover be non-white and then the character still be white like that's not you're not breaking any boundaries you're not doing anything new and you shouldn't my personal opinion you should never be clapped on the back for it I don't want to see any more people being applauded for doing something. They're doing the bare minimum. What are you on about? Say, great, what are you doing now? Yeah, What's like the next thing? Well, uh, or what are you doing to make sure that is a meaningful and change, lasting change? Because it can't, in my mind, I'm like, this isn't, this is. This should never be a one-stop trip. Why are you moving as if this is like, oh, this was an amazing point that, in history? That. It doesn't make any sense to me. And also like- it's just it it really confuses me how people can stand there and feel like they deserve praise for not being racist i also find it just weird like why do you want to profit off that do you know how insane that is yeah do you know how weird that is a lot is? of people sort of i feel like there is definitely a thing of people positioning themselves as the savior kind of oh thing. they love it which i find very like bombastic side eye i am the why lorax. are you doing that i am the lorax i speak for the trees why <laughs> are you doing that it's just very strange i think i think people need to take and i take a big step back in myself and go what am i trying to do mm. because at the end of the day like i'm a cisgender woman yes i'm black and i'm queer but i am i'm able-bodied what am i trying to do to make sure that certain people that aren't like me and don't have my opportunities are also being seen and being heard like you there there are some things you have to you always have to check your own privilege because even though yes I don't have the same privilege as a white cis straight man I still have privilege 110% the fact that I can be in a west end show and was in a west end show it is privilege in itself you know Mm -hmm. I'd be stupid to think that I didn't privilege takes many forms yeah it takes many forms and I just feel like a lot of people 
don't want to ever check their privilege and see where they are failing as people yeah and the industry needs to do a massive like look at themselves and go wow let's actually think when we do certain things and we think we're helping who are we helping because who have we turned around to a table and spoken to about this is helpful is it just a lot of white men that are making a decision or even a lot of white women that are sitting there making a decision going this will be helpful for this community where's anyone from the community I don't understand. Even the discussion of who gets a job and what that then means for that person and then mm. that's that community. And then the groundwork they have to do to keep to keep up an authentic, like lasting change. I don't think they I don't think they think about that. And if they do think about that, they think about it because they're scared, not because they want the change to be there for other people to feel seen. They're yeah. afraid for their own selves. And it's a shame because the industry can be in an amazing place. And I've been for example fortunate enough to go to like the Olivier Awards and perform and literally it was one of the best days of my life because you were just in a room full of the the UK's top talent and it was so humbling to be there and to be able to perform there with like the company of Greece and just and just to witness other creatives and actors perform and 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 be awarded like their accolades that they're like it's it's an incredible day to be involved in so there are amazing parts about being in the industry but there's also just like the realism is so harsh when you're non even when you're white it's hard because you get rejection but when you're non-white I just feel like a non-cisgendered you just you just feel like everything's a battle you're always having to prove yourself you're always having to you're always having to feel like you have to make your mark as a person and you always have to walk into it. For me, I have to walk into an audition being like, they kind of want to see me because I'm black. They don't think I'm talented yet. I have to prove to them I'm talented. They've not seen me because they want to actually get to know me as a talent because they've seen my CV. They actually want to see me because I'm a diversity quota that could help them l- look less racist. And that's hard. And I think certain people who, you know, are cisgendered or are white don't will never feel that when they walk into auditions. Going way back to the beginning of why this is an issue that there's not many people. There is a lack of care and a lack of appreciation or compassion for non-white and non-cisgendered performers Mm. being in a space of white cisgendered people. Mm. I think they expect us to be the same and because we've all gotten here to the same job, they feel like, yeah, we're all the same. We're not the same. How Sally got here is not the same as way as how I got here. Sally has had a very different path to me and that's fine but even her stepping into this room and sit, sitting at this table of a reading I mean everyone's dyslexic in this industry but I'm a black dyslexic person and I think people forget yeah. the kind of implications of the fact that for example I speak like a road gal I'll be like yeah that's mad you know oh well go on and I'll speak like that because that's how I speak yeah and then also being dyslexic there's certain things that people don't understand that there are stereotypes that I have to always feel like I either have to lean into because I am that stereotype I do sound like a roadman when I speak and I don't care I won't code switch no more I don't I don't give a flying fuck like why am I going to do that or stereotypes I have to lean out of where sometimes I have to sit there and go I am very intelligent I'm very eloquent I know what I'm talking about and I'm I may have not gone to the best school for uh, secondary school I got but I got many GCSEs I got all my A levels do you know what I mean like there are certain things where they don't have to biases. prove themselves. Yeah, there's certain biases that they don't have to prove themselves, though we have to prove ourselves. And th- 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 we're not even doing our job yet. 
We're not even doing the grueling or the rehearsal process and learning all the lines. We are just trying to exist. Such a mind fuck as well. It's a lot, and I just think it's not for the it's not for the faint hearted anyway. But then add on the layers of just racism and bigotry that are there. Mm. If you're non white and non cisgendered, like it's not for the the faint hearted to then just be in the room. Mm. It's a lot. Yeah, coming. Back to that question of gender and colorblind casting. Mm -hmm. What are the parameters or what are the boundaries that you of like what you think is acceptable in terms of colorblind and genderblind casting? Looking at like a historical figure Mm. or real people, to what extent can we Mm. and should we be genderblind and colorblind? I find this one hard to an extent yeah. because I feel like historical characters, if you're giving like, you know, Hamilton, I'm thinking, I'm thinking that's, it's never that deep. Do you know what I mean? We all know that. Why? Um, well, Hamilton's the reason, in my opinion, why quote unquote colorblind casting, color conscious casting has started since 2016 because, and that was a, again, a essay I did like in first year because before that there was never, uh, there was no show that wasn't that in terms of that had non-white people or non-cisgender people at the forefront of telling a story it was that was never that didn't have didn't have anything to do with race or gender yeah like there wasn't that The one example i can think of i think it was hello dolly but on your Sunday clothes, there's lots yes. of world out But there. they changed they, they changed the cast to an all black cast. Yeah, yeah. And there was that famous Broadway yes. production that was an all black cast. Yes. So that's the only one that springs that's to mind. Own, and, and maybe that's because I'm young and un- uneducated. That's on the only one that I can, I can think of. Um, maybe again, I'm ignorant. But in terms of that, I just, I feel like that show is a good example of them saying we're making a statement we're not actually we're telling a story of an orphan immigrant yak 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 and the american you know treasury system how america became the america we see today mm. but the whole show is about a statement of saying like anyone should be able to play characters we have sat in an industry of too long where white people have dominated and that's what really hamilton's actually about in terms of the subtext of the show that's what it's actually about yeah and then obviously the, the, when you go and see the show it's 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 giving rap and 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 break dancing well, yeah i mean lin manuel miranda you, you would literally use famous bars yeah you're as of, lyrics yeah, of, like of it was people. completely referential to oh yeah 100%. black uh rap and hip-hop culture, oh, culture. yeah 100 percent. so it like that's more of a statement musical but in terms of in terms of musicals that are like have historic like have figures that for example we know what they look like i find it harder i find it harder in terms of i can see why people would be like well it has to be done by the person that for example if the person's actually like a native american or mexican or black please keep them as that because it, there's not enough of them anyway as people of a story i think it comes back to that thing of like meaningfulness yeah 100 percent. and like you know like throughout the history of theater Western theatre, you've had uh, many a white actor put on blackface and play yeah, Othello. Well, 
um, musical theatre is based on the minstrel shows. It's it yeah. comes from blackface and these performers. Yeah, from my research for my dissertation, that's where musical theatre began. Well, so, yeah, so much of musical history, you it's, have actors in blackface, actors um, in yellowface, actors just con- contributing to disgusting yeah. racial stereotypes. Yeah. Um, it comes back to that thing of like meaningfulness. Why are you doing this? What yeah. statement are you making? Yeah, hundred percent. I th- I think Hamilton's an interesting one because many many people have critiqued Hamilton for its colorblind casting because I think it's a very valid critique. Mm. You've taken a period of American history mm. which is which you cannot remove slavery from. A yeah. period of history that is heavily dependent upon the exploitation of enslaved people. The black people. And you've taken people, white men, who were actively perpetuating this. And if they were not, they were actively benefiting from it. And you're glorifying and them in a rap musical. Glorifying them yeah. and casting them as black people. and um, Or non-white people. Yeah. It's a more accurate statement. Um, and there was... Uh, a play about it written by uh, Ishmael Reed uh, called The Haunting of Lin-Manuel Miranda. That is um, so funny to me. I, I cannot explain to you how so jokes that is. The I, Haunting of Lin-Manuel Miranda. Do you know how memes that is? It's sort of, I think it's kind of like based on um, a Christmas Carol, I think. And it's like L-O-L. these ghosts are visiting Lin-Manuel Miranda. Um, but it, it, you know, it, it's a play that's sort of critiquing the whitewashing of Hamilton, whitewashing meaning cleaning, cleaning it, not yeah, not yeah, whitewashing yeah, 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 in terms yeah, yeah. of like the people playing the no, characters. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh yeah, and and yeah, I can imagine. I, it I think it's it's very much a product of like the Obama era uh, optimism. Hamilton. Yeah, I yeah, I feel like it was made in a very different time. I feel like because that was like what about seven years ago. Hamilton was made seven years ago. It came to basically the, the America seven years ago. And yeah. I just, or even like maybe eight years ago, because I think it was 2015. Um, but I feel like that time of life was so different. Like you said, the Obama era, but also the, it will always be that thing of like, something at the time is so revolutionary and so beneficial of the time. Like for example, there's a show called Showboat and any of the people that, went to drama school or any of my friends who know how I hate this show I hate Showboat I think it's so stupid but there's this show called Showboat and it's basically about this it's it's about this showboat on the Mississippi River it's like a it's an actual like performance boat whatever and um it's it's in the time of like it's giving in the time of slavery and um there's a performer called Julie I don't remember her name, but she's like, she's white passing, but she is mixed race. She's got a dash of black in her, but she's so white passing, you wouldn't be able to tell. And so she's allowed to perform on this boat. And then like, there's this, I don't really even know the story very well, but it's like, it's basically, that's the show. And people are like, it's so revolutionary because there's, it was the first time like black people were on stage and like singing and stuff. And I just remember thinking like, obviously I used to be like, yeah, it's revolutionary revolutionary for that time but as a black woman in this day and age I would not want to see a show where a woman is a dash of black 
and then getting hatred because she's literally white passing. Like, I was just like, there's only one. It's just the whole well, it, notion it, is so stupid. It, it's such a bad yeah. show. It's not, it's not good representation or meaningful representation for the black community. The black community 100%, today. 100%. Or even then, it, really. Very silly. But I don't like the show because I just think that the, the, the notion of it being good is like, <laughs> it's just funny. She has to be like this, like uh, very white passing that you wouldn't know that she's got like, as they like to say, Negro blood in her. Crazy, crazy. But um, yeah, I just hate that. I hate the show. But for that time, it was so revolutionary for black people, and it was like the first time that black. I think I, I could be wrong, but it's the first black, the first time that black and white people were integrated into a show. Um, I can't even remember when it was put on, ages ago. As in like I can tell you here, I'm just giving it a skim. The original Broadway cast was nineteen twenty seven. Nineteen twenty seven. Yep. Yeah. And then there was a nineteen thirty six film. Yes. Um and there's been many revivals since. I feel like double check for me if it's the first time that black and white people have been integrated into a musical. Because I feel like or it's but it's revolutionary for a reason. I should really know this because I did a degree in musical theatre and I can't really remember it. Showboat boldly portrayed racial issues and was the first racially integrated musical in that both black and white performers appeared and sang on stage together. Told you. See, maybe I do know my degree. So it's yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, for the time, revolutionary. Yeah, revolutionary. We've moved on. We've moved on and actually, and does a- it, it does it tackle racism? No. I feel like when people are like, oh my God, so we're cancelling Hamilton now. We're cancelling Schroeder now. It's like, no, we're just... We're just acknowledging we're just that it doesn't help us developing, nowadays. Developing as a culture. Yeah, 100%. We're, we're growing up. We can't... We can't Grow sit, up. We yeah, literally grow up. We can't sit there and be like, yeah, these shows are so important now. They're important for the time. To go back to Hamilton, it it's one of those ones where for the time it was very revolutionary and now we have to... We have to adapt. We're not saying that Hamilton's the worst thing in the world or we're not saying, I mean, I'm saying Showboat's a piece of shit, but certain things, yeah, they were great for a community, but you can't sit there and say that it will always be great for a community because certain things are going to come up. This is what it is. Certain things are good at the time and then they become a, they become a system and they become a part of a world oil machine of we're making money from this situation mm. so certain things need to be like this and that and the other that's what happens i i do believe some things become some things start off as we're trying to help a community and then money gets involved and then and then and then social media gets involved and then big headedness gets involved and then it turns into well now this is a system and this is this is the reason the musical theater industry is called the musical theater industry is because it's an industry it's built on money it's built on capitalism it's built on ticket sales and what is going to make this industry stay is money and so I feel like shows become that though they're good for they're good at for the start then it becomes what's good for business yeah well I think generally what you're getting on the west end isn't particularly radical and no matter how yeah. much Andrew Lloyd Webber would like to convince you that Cinderella having dark hair and Doc Martens is a radical feminist take on the classic fairy tale, it's I, not. I'm not commenting on this one. I'm keeping. I'm trying to get jobs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to be employed in my life. I can't comment on this. 
because I'm, I'm Andrew Lloyd Webber. If you are listening, listen. This, this is this, a this, this is the opinions of Cherry Echo only. Um, I'm trying to get jobs in this uh, life. <laughs> I'm, tr- you, you, I'm trying to get platforms. You know, the, no matter how much any West End producer or director or writer would like to convince you, the majority of I won't say all. The majority of the stuff you are seeing on the West End is empty contrived contrived i love that word right now it's not they're 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 dressing up as something radical they're dressing up like they're saying radical statements they're not actually saying them who's the creative team on this radical show show me andrew the people lloyd webber. show me the people who who are the creatives <laughs> on this you, radical show did you see show? that thing that was like andrew lloyd webber <laughs> still scared to make musicals because of cancel culture and i'm like we did it <laughs> we won <laughs> we're free <laughs> Well, Lizzie Rose. Yes. I'm going to say pens down. The time for this exam is over. Can you please give me your thesis statement to the question? Should gender and slash or colorblind casting be the norm in the performing arts? My thesis statement would be in conclusion. Colorblind and gender conscious casting should be the norm blind casting is not real and is just a idea to allow performers to be used in shows to make creatives and casting look with the times and educated when they're not so I think the conclusion is we need to it should be the norm in a conscious way and we need to um, demolish uh, white people at the top of creative teams and casting teams. Otherwise, things can't change. And I'm not saying they can't be there, but there needs to be more people who are non-white and non-cisgendered at the forefront of casting and creative. It can't just be one. It has to be both. Absolutely. Now... All Souls only accepts up to two people every year to this fellowship. One year, nobody got in because nobody was good enough. Christ. However, here at the exam hall, we do not discriminate. Everybody is welcome here. So we have given your application careful consideration. Mm -hmm. And I am thrilled to welcome you into the hallowed halls of the alumni of the exam hall. How does it feel? Oh, my God. God, what? Yes. If you got into All Souls, Mm -hmm. you would receive seven years of funding to undertake any research project of your choice. Do you know how crazy that is? In it. They would give you a salary. Lovely. They would give you board. Uh, You would be able to study any subject of your choice at Oxford. um, And you would be given contacts with leading professionals in your industry. So... Essentially, the removal of all financial barriers, lots of doors suddenly being open for you. Lovely. If you had seven years to learn and discover, what would you do? I think I would try and achieve there to be a better mental health system for specifically non-white people. Because I do just believe that the idea of 
having any kind of mental health awareness or mental health um I can obviously talk about only me being black but there's there's none of that in existence I know that there's an organization that does help with that and I should probably know the name but I've forgotten it but yeah I would I would put money into research of how how I could help that become more of a thing I feel like a lot of problems for more specifically for me anyway in terms of being black and not all the problems of being black but like obviously racism is a thing and in terms of like everything that you experience as a young person growing up in a society that tells you that you're not good enough and xyz abc um there's a lot to unpack there and into your adult life when then you start having power and making decisions and I do just think that a lot of people need to be healed so I would I think I would just I'd want to just have some money to research how to better get non-white people and and any minority person into therapy yeah because the world has changed a lot from when I was younger yeah it's still hard but it's a very different place to be there needs to be I feel like once more people of a minority have been healed I think Mm. whatever your minority is I feel like you being othered is just enough will enable them to feel like they can be in positions of power looking back on your time in education what sort of barriers do you feel like you faced to gaining that education or what barriers did you have to gaining an education that sort of seven years of funding an opportunity would I don't want to say undo but would remove I feel like like I went to a very like bad secondary school um where just like there was no there was no resources there like whatsoever I feel like learning and 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 understanding things would just like like school wasn't the best environment not even because like oh I was bullied like just because the school was just so badly funded that um to go to school and learn was just not fun so I feel like I don't know just like it would it would really like having that like barrier taken away I just I feel like money as much as like it's not the route to any kind of happiness like it enables so many things to happen money doesn't equal happiness it can solve a lot of problems that do cause unhappiness yeah 100 percent. yeah I just I just think it would have it would have changed it would have enabled me to to be in a better learning environment like though I had a nice time I wasn't really learning anything I was just there. Well, you spent, it wasn't until you got to your first year of university, second year, where someone finally said, have you ever been checked out for dyslexia? Oh my Christ. That's where someone such a finally good... said to you, hey. <sighs> You're you, dyslexic. <laughs> it's like, you hey. You can't read, babe. Words don't move about on the page for most people. That's not normal. Imagine me sitting there going, oh, my head is hurting. All these words are appearing and disappearing. And then everyone's being like, that makes no sense. Interesting. Um, yeah, interesting <laughs> that you see that, babe. Um, yeah, like, even, like, I remember my English teacher, though I didn't like her, um, even was like, you're actually really smart. 
but your grammar and the way you write and then like your reading level does not reflect that and it wasn't until I had to go to uni and then we had to read part of the um one of our courses in uh one of the modules was to like oh, what was it called? You, yes. had to, you had to just read stuff aloud yeah um sight reading you had to do sight reading yeah and boy oh boy it was bad 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 <laughs> it was very bad from me I was so bad at it and I got so embarrassed I had to just leave the room and I just cried because I was like I'm I can't read this and that's when they were like you should probably get checked out for dyslexia because like the way how hard you're finding this is like crazy but yeah if I if my school had more funding they probably would have known like from ages ago ah oh, this poor girl she she's dyslexic let's put in tools in place to help her whereas now I've had to learn as an adult like for certain things I'm like I'm better at it now and I read my reading aloud isn't as bad mm. but, like I'm like focused now now you know what the issue is you're able yeah, to deal with it I don't think it. I was I'm not I don't feel stupid anymore I'm just like oh I just got dyslexia yeah I'm very dyslexic. God <laughs> bless my soul. I'm so dyslexic. Oh, mate. Oh, well, Lizzie. Yes. Lizzie Rose. Why? Lizzie Rose S. and Kelly. Oh, my God, my whole name. Elizabeth Rose okay. S. and Kelly. That's too much? The, too that's, much? That's the government. Too much? Okay. Let's, okay. let's not put that on the airways, what my government name is. <laughs> not the govy, bro. Don't try and find me. <laughs> Thank you so, so much for being here with me oh, today. It has been me. an absolute joy to have you here, as always. Love you. I love you too. Aww. I'm so proud of you. Thanks. Proud of you. I'm going to stop crying. Oh my Christ. <laughs> <laughs> um, before we part, God. is there anything you would like to shout out, promote, any final words of wisdom you have to bestow upon us hungry masses? Uh, shout out to the mandem. <laughs> <laughs> to my friends, love you. <laughs> um, what would I like to promote? God, not what I don't know. I don't have nothing that I want to promote, but I would like to say um, to just keep being educated. And that doesn't mean that you need to be the smartest person in the world. Just keep, be educated about people in the world, not about yes. like, you know, facts and figures. Like, be educated about the people that live on the earth with you um, and be mindful of other people and other people's lives, uh, even if it doesn't affect you. Uh, and then you'll be good to go. Just be a compassionate human being. Aww. And that's all you need to be. And have jokes and memes. Nothing's ever that serious. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? Like, keep, that's, keep that's, a joke That's and a, a good philosophy, I think. Lizzie, thank you very, very much for being here. Thanks for having me. Thank you very, very much for listening to this episode of The Exam Hall. If you want to stay up to date with the podcast, you can follow us on social media at The Exam Hall Pod on Instagram and Twitter. And while you're there scrolling through, if you want to know what I, Cherry Eckle, am up to, you can also follow me on social media. You can find me at Cherry the Eckle on Instagram and Twitter. And you can also find me, Cherry Eckle, on YouTube. If you've listened to today's episode and you think, hey, that sounds fun. I want to give that a go. I want to be a guest. Get in touch. Come be a guest. I would love to speak to some of you lovely people out there on the airwaves um so if you're interested in being a guest you can click the link in the episode description which will take you to an expression of interest form or get in contact on one of the previously aforementioned social medias 
I want to give a very, very big shout out to Boundless Theatre, whose support has made this podcast possible. And I want to give a very, very big shout out to you for listening. Thank you very much for doing that. It's very kind. If you've listened and you've enjoyed the episode, please give it a rate, give it a subscribe, tell all your friends and family. Any support is very, very, very greatly appreciated. I hope wherever you are, whoever you are, you're having a lovely day. And I hope it stays lovely. And I hope you stay lovely. And I hope you just generally things are lovely. And if they're not, I hope they get lovely soon. I'm going to go now and stop taking up uh, your day so it can continue being lovely. See you later. See you at the next one.